Hello and welcome. The following message is from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. God is love. I'm proud of this church for actually taking on uh, a season where you're actually sort of reconnecting with God. What is he like? What is he like? What are some of the things that would be true of him so that when I look to him, not as a a model that I can exactly emulate, but a target to which I'm heading, right? What is he like as, as a model? And so you've been looking at different things, and today we've come to this God is love. Now, there's kind of two problems with this statement as I see it. Number one is, what does that even mean? Like, what, like God is love. Is, is, does that mean that God only emotion like he has no substance and is he is he just a warm and fuzzy kind like like love is sort of an odd thing to tell a person oh you're love right so what does that even mean number one and number two how would you measure it if you if you knew it right like how do you how do you measure especially in a world where love takes on so many unique different forms and contradictory things right so how do you measure that it you know it's like you could you can measure tom and you'd probably say tom is short right well compared to rolf over here right so right so like tom is he's if he stretches his neck he's five foot eight right i'm lucky to be there right and and so for my age and my gender and my culture that's shorter than the average he's about five ten to six feet right so you would say well tom is short compared right so that's a measurement you would say okay i can i can verify that that's a true statement because i can measure that well how do you measure god is love like how do you do that i want to deal with those issues as we go forward i i i thought i truly understood love especially when my first child was born. Now I see there's a bunch of kitties that have all gone off, so a bunch of you people will relate to this, this moment. I remember when our son was born, we were so happy, we were so excited. I tingled. You know what I mean by that? Like, oh, you know that feeling like this? I tingled, and, and we look at the pictures of us in the hospital, and I've got a big stupid grin all over my face. All the pictures, oh, like, just, I thought, I, boy, I love this little one. A couple of weeks later, however, in the middle of the night, when I got the elbow, right, it's your turn to feed him, right? And so, okay, well, then a formula had to be prepared and then warm that up. And in my days, there was just like a, hot and then put a drip on your wrist. Do you remember that? Anyone do that? Just to make sure it was the right temperature and all, right? right? And then go into this screaming child and sit down and try to feed him. And I, I'm falling asleep, barely able to hold this new thing, right? And I didn't tingle. Tom, you don't love. I, I remember about 10 years later, uh, our daughter now, gets the stomach flu and she, she can't make it to the toilet. So she grabbed the closest thing, which happened 
magazine rack and puked all into the magazine rack and then stumbled her way and onto the wall next and then down on the floor next and so I stumble out of bed and I stub my toe on the bed post, you know, and I'm limping in and bang my head on the wall and, and then I step in it, right? Well, Tom, you don't tingle anymore. You don't love them. No, 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 my, my toe hurts and my feet stink. <laughs> but I love those kids when the reality of life hits you in all aspects, you better know what love is. You better know what love is. And today we come to this passage of scripture that helps us to understand that God is love. Uh, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. What is that saying? God originated love. He embodies it. Originates it. He embodies it. Love comes from God. Any expression of love that you've seen is an expression of what God has provided and what God is. God is the origin of love. He is the source of love. Love comes from God. The concept of God did not come from the devil and it did not come from us, okay? It comes from God. We would never know what God, love is except God. Love comes from God. Now, if God embodies love like he is love, and if he originated love, then whatever he gives us is a sign of his love. See the connection? Whatever he gives us is a sign of his love. So this morning, I had a lovely cup of coffee. That was a sign of God's love to me this morning. And I sat there in the quietness of my time, and I enjoyed that. Now, it, it, I mean, God made the beans, right? And somewhere along the line, he made the people who somehow or other saw that bean and stepped on it maybe on a hard surface and some rain fell on it and some black water came off it and somebody thought to lick it up i don't i don't know how that worked right right and then somebody came along and said well that was terrible maybe if we roast that bean it'll kind of be all right and maybe if we put hot water on it, it'll be all right and before long here's tom enjoying the gift of god's love the peaceful moment in the context that i was able to have that and just really enjoying it. You see, everything that God gives is a gift of his love. It's a good gift. It's a good gift. Now, not always do we perceive God's gifts as good, right? Again, I think of growing up and, and parenting. I, I didn't really learn this until I was a parent. I remember as a child, thinking that my parents did not love me if they did not give me that which I wanted, right? Remember that? If they said no, they didn't love. Just plain obvious. Later on, of course, some of those very things that I wanted, I realized, ooh, I don't really want those at all afterwards. But my parents chose to seem 
unloving to me in order to give me that which was ultimately good for me. Now we have a heavenly father. Heavenly, heavenly father who's even described as love and who's only willing to give you the good gifts that you need. All those things that he gives you is a gift of his love, even if sometimes it appears not to be what I want. Just as my parents were willing to appear to be unloving in order to give me what was ultimately good, there is a God in heaven who in his love gives that which is only good. That's the impact of God is love. A God who embodies it, who originated, who sources love, only gives that which is good. But you also notice here that we show that we are God's children if we love. So it's not just God loving us for the goodness of himself, but it's us expressing that love to other people. So, carrying on from the scripture, whoever does not uh, love does not, oops, sorry, before that, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So there's this sense in which if God is love, then I, I need to have a model on that. I need to be following that in my own life. Whoever does not, uh, so whoever uh, loves has been born of God and knows God. In a sense, we are born of God as we love. Now, don't get this wrong. Don't think that just if you show love that you're God's child. Okay, just the act of showing love does not mean that you are one of God's children. It seems to suggest that, but the truth of the matter is if you read all of the rest of 1 John, you can't conclude that, okay? So I, I can't read all of 1 John for you this morning here so that you get the bigger picture. So, but what John is saying is he's writing to a group of people like Benediction Church, people who have come under the understanding of Jesus, an understanding of who he is, who recognize he is who he said he is and did what he said he did. And I, I agree with that. I, I believe that. And he's talking to people who would affirm that. And so he says to them, listen, you love because God is love. You love each other. And you know what? You express the relationship you have with God when you love. He's not saying you get to be a child of God simply by love. You express your adoption based on that. And that's why verse 12 says, what well, verse 12 says in here, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Hey, nobody has seen God, but you kind of have. Okay, you haven't actually, but you really kind of have, because when you see love in that community, genuine care, genuine goodness, you're seeing God. You see, you express your relationship with God as you love. Now, what happens if you don't love? That's a good question, right? What happens if I uh, decide I'm not going to follow that? It's a good question. So now we look at verse 8, right? Because John anticipates that thought as he writes, and he says in verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
right? You can't say that you love God if you hate each other. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. Whoever does not love is actually better translated. Whoever keeps on not loving. If, if a pattern of your life is that you're not loving, then don't, don't try to convince me that you know God because you're not following after the God who actually is love. Like it doesn't make any sense. So if you make it a pattern of life not to be loving, like anger and greed and malice and all of that kind of stuff, it finds its source somewhere else, right? It's, that's the, you're not finding that in God, but the source you're finding in God is, is a God who loves. If you don't love each other, don't try to convince me that you love God. Now, this actually makes a little bit of sense if you think about it in this way. Um, you cannot say to me, Tom, I love you, but I hate your wife. Now, think about that for a second. You can't say, Tom, I love you, but I hate your wife. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's that, like you don't understand our relationship then. We've been married 40 years, October 22nd of this year, right? So we've had enough time to sort of figure out whether we like each other right? And, and to work with each other. And, and so our lives are one flesh, as the scripture would call it, right? Interesting term. Our lives are so intertwined, so interdependent with each other that I'm really not who I am. I'm who we are. I'm us. You can't say, Tom, I love you, but I hate your wife. Because we are so one that you can't do that. I agree that one of us may appeal more to you than another, and it would be Karen, hands down. But one might appeal more to the other, but you cannot say I hate one and love the other. See, this is what this, is what this scripture is trying to tell us. God is love and has loved you, and you are to love one another. Don't tell me that you love God and say, I hate that person. I hate that church. That, that, you can't separate God and love in that way. John is trying to say here that when you love, you are expressing that you are a child of God. And when you don't, you're kind of indicating the opposite. Okay, so this abstract concept that God is love, that he originated it, he embodies it, and that we show that we are connected with God because of our love, it's modeling God, right? That abstract concept has a measurement, okay? It has a measurement. It's not just this concept that we've been talking about. It actually is an, a living truth, an absolutely living truth. And that's where John 1, 9 comes in. The next thing that John wants to sort of outline here is that it's not just some vague concept that God is love. God made it living. And in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. Pay careful attention. He sent his one and only son into this world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
You see, even for God, the concept of love could not remain a concept. It cannot remain just a warm, fuzzy emotion. It had to become real, and it became real most predominantly in Jesus. You'll see in that passage that God sends, or God gives. This is God's love in action. God's love gives. You might be familiar with the other, another book that this author wrote in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. So the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, same guy. A parallel verse in, John, in that John is John 3.16, verse that many of us may, may have known or even memorized as a child. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved, therefore he gave. And that's exactly what 1 John 4 is saying. This is how he showed his love. This is how you measure it. Here's the measurement of God's love, not some emotion. It is a fact. It's a truth of the Son having been given. And what's interesting here to me is the words he uses. He doesn't just say God gave his Son. He says he gave his one and only son. Now, those words you do not have to put in there, and you would lose nothing of the impact of what John is trying to say. He gave his son. I have a son. I'm not sure that giving would be in my portfolio, right? Right? Uh, right? So, so all he had to say was that he gave his son, and we would have caught the point. But the author of the scripture is very clear to say, no, no, no. He gave his one and only son. And you could do away with one of those words too, right? And still get the point. No, no, no. It's not just his only, it's not just his son. It's just not his only son. It's his one and only son. God's love gives and it gives regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. He gave his very best, all he had, the, the maximum that he could do because he knew that you needed it and he needed to love and show it. So God's love gives, that's what love does, and it gives regardless of the cost, and it also gives regardless of the one being loved. Uh, maybe you're familiar with this uh, verse, Romans 5.8. Um, but God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that's a direct quote. It's memorized, so don't give me any credit for that one. It's, it's the Bible, right? God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Never forget the fact that it was nothing in you that made him love you in sending a son. You're still sinners. You're still enemy, right? It wasn't because you're lovable that he gave. It wasn't even because you were becoming lovable 
that he gave his son. God demonstrates his love to us in this is while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's love gives. It, it just gives. And it gives regardless of the cost. And it gives regardless of the one being loved. See, he, he loves us not because we're lovable. He loves us because he is love. The media is telling you all kinds of things about love anymore. In fact, outside of this sermon, almost 100% of that which you hear about love is that it's emotion. It's an emotion. It's a warm, fuzzy thing, right? And I, I've bored you with the truth that it's nothing to do with that, right? It, love is, God is the embodiment of it. He originated it. We express that as we love one another. And love costs. It gives, regardless of the cost, regardless of, this is all I've told you. And so you, you could leave at this moment saying, well, love is really cold and calculated, right? Kind of stoic, kind of like boring, right? Well, never discount the fact that it is emotion, and so is God emotional. God didn't just sit in heaven saying, eh, I got to do this. Here we go, right? God, that love is emotion, and even for God, he is excessive in his emotion. I think on screen there is the verse, right, from Zephaniah? Listen to it. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. Call that Jesus, right? He is a mighty Savior. He will give you victory. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. He will love you and not accuse you. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it is the Lord himself exulting over you in happy song. The God of heaven sings. He sings as he looks at you. It's not some austere, stoic, cold-hearted God. Next time someone says God is cold and austere and, and, and hard-hearted, just kick him in the shins like, or do something. Well, maybe you shouldn't because I just told you to love, right? But like, that's not true. That is not the God that is represented in the scriptures. You've got a God who looks at you in his embodiment and in his origination. And as he watches you try to model that to the best of your ability as a pattern in life, and as you as well recognize him giving and you giving in response, the God in heaven is so songful that it sounds more like a choir. If ever you're wondering whether the God of heaven in love is just a stoic, austere God, please read Luke chapter 15. Make a mental note of that, or a written note if you're writing. Luke chapter 15. You're going to see God pictured as three things. You're going to see God pictured as a shepherd, which is not uncommon, but he's a shepherd who lost one of his hundred sheep. And that shepherd goes out to find that sheep at all costs. He leaves the 99 behind, and he goes ahead and he hunts high and low to make sure that sheep is safe. 
And you know what the scripture says when he finds that sheep? He rejoices over the one. The second word picture in, in Luke chapter 15 is God is pictured as a cleaning lady, a lady who is actually in her home and had lost a coin out of the few maybe that she'd have and turns the place upside down looking for it until she finds it. And you know what the scripture says? She rejoices. God is like that lady who rejoices. And the third picture in that passage is a father who excessively loves his wayward son. We call him the prodigal son. The truth is, it's a prodigal father. The father is excessive in his love, and he sees his son coming back, repentant and bothered by his lifestyle. And what does dad do? He runs to the end of the leg, smothers that boy with kisses, kill the fatted calf. And you know what the scripture says? He rejoices. If ever you wonder if the God of heaven loves with deep emotion, then you go read Luke chapter 15. See, our God does embody love. He is love. He sourced love. We don't know what love is except for him. We then in turn show the love to one another. And by so doing, we actually showed everybody, hey, this guy's connected to God because he's getting like him. Two boys uh, went to Sunday school for the very first time. Remember those days? Maybe some of you don't. There was Sunday school back in my day, and there was a Sunday school superintendent, and the two boys, it was 1976, as a matter of fact, and two boys came to the church first time ever, and so the superintendent needed to register them to send them to the right class. And so, okay, boys, what are your names and what are your birthdays? And so the bolder of the two said, well, I was born, the date was April the 8th, 1976, and my brother was born April 20th, 1976. Well, you probably are thinking exactly what the Sunday school registration was thinking. I mean, that's impossible. That's 12 days apart. Like, like, like you can't do that. And the soft-hearted of the two guys said, well, one of us is adopted. And before she could curb her tongue, she asked the question she shouldn't have asked, which one? The boys looked at each other, and they smiled and said, you know what? We asked Dad that a while ago. But dad just said he loved us both and he can't remember who was adopted. And I think to myself, that's a man. But I also think that's our God. He does not care when you came to him. He does not care what you did before you came to him. He loves every one of us as if there were only one of us. That, my friends, is love. God is love. And we need to try to act the same way. Thanks for listening to this message from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. 
Feel free to copy and share these resources, but please don't alter the content in any way. We invite you to visit us online again soon at www.benediction.church for more teaching and information about how you can join us in serving and praying that it would be in Hamilton as it is in heaven.